So um, come by and say hi. So we are in the Ten Commandments. We are in commandment number eight. And um, I, that means after today, there's how many left? That's good. That's quick math. You guys are quick. So, so there are 10 commandments, uh, just so you kind of know where, where we're at. We're, we're on commandment number eight. And um, this one is uh, um, just like probably the last two, the, really the last few. Um, we, it seems straightforward and it, feels, and it feels like, okay, I know what that is and I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I, I haven't done that. And then you realize, oh, but there's so much more under this kind of what we've been talking about, sort of like an umbrella term that, that it really isn't like the thing really isn't the thing. It represents so much more than just what it's taught, than like the, the actual command. So, so we're going to jump in here uh, to commandment number eight. And, and it is this, you shall not steal. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 Real easy, real quick commandment. It doesn't need explanation. Just like the previous two, God just is almost like, all right, you guys know what stealing is? All right, don't do that. <laughs> and, and, and again, just like the previous ones, this is two Hebrew words. It's two Hebrew words. Don't steal. You shall not, do not steal. And, and so we're gonna look at what this is. And, and this is one of those things like, like theft and stealing is, um, is one of the things that, that you, you, you probably aren't thinking about, like you probably didn't wake up this morning going like, man, I'm, I'm just really concerned with all the theft in my life and, and in other people's lives. But when it hits you, it, it is personal. Like it, this is deeply personal. I remember growing up um, and uh, I, I lived in, I grew up in, um, in Fresno, California. No one, no one, no one. Okay, okay, pity, that was total pity. All right. So I grew up in, in Fresno, California, and I actually, but I didn't, I didn't actually live in Fresno. We lived outside about 10, 15 minutes away um, out in this super rural area. I think the population was like four or 5,000 total. We had one stoplight. I, I, like, I grew up in that community, like the, the prototypical, like, oh, you have one. We literally had one stoplight in the middle of town, like on the main and Avenue 12. Um, and, then, and then this is how we knew we were big time. While I was living there, Subway came to town. We got a new subway. I heard of, can I get an amen? And, and we, had a, we had a few, like, that was it. That was the thing, right? And, and so, like, I grew up in this, it wasn't a ton of people. It wasn't the city. So this kind of stuff didn't happen. And we grew up on, like, our property had almost two acres, landscape, fenced off. Like, it was, it was nice. I loved my upbringing. I loved uh, all of it. And, like, the, you know, just, like, you know, walking everywhere. I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. Is it, right? It's, like, illegal to walk places. Um, so, so, like, I, but I grew up doing that. We had, um, we had a large backyard, a large front yard, large backyard, all fenced off, and we had um, a camper back there that we would use and, and, um, and store. And um, anyways, it was kind of on the side. And I remember one day, I must have been, I don't know, eight, nine years old, and, um, and, uh, and my, dad, my dad discovered, oh, there's broken glass on the driver's side of the camper. All right, we look around. Wasn't us. Like this time, it wasn't us. <laughs> and and the doors open, and you realize, oh, like in that moment, if you've ever been if you've ever been robbed or ever had anything ever broken into, you know that feeling. Like when you see it, and you go, this is terrible. How could it doesn't even matter who they are. How could they do this? You don't even know what's happened yet. How could they? 
And so they broke into our camper. They took a bunch of stuff. Um, and, then, and then they were so bold to go to our back patio, which, is, which was a little bit of a walk to get there. And they took some of our stuff on our back patio, some of my stuff. And they took, they took our boom box with a CD player. Do you remember those? That was, that was new tech, man. That was like, this is a nice boom box. And they just decided to take it. And then they, they, this is what got me too. And I don't know why this messed with me, like why I was so mad about this. To get back over our fence, because they hopped the fence and then they had to go back over, they used one of our chairs. Our own, the lazy thieves. Like they, they just, oh, we'll use their chair to jump over. And then you, you, on the other side of the fence was dirt. And so we actually saw like two, two, it's two people, at least two people, two perfect paths, like footprint paths where they went. And I'm like, dad, we got them. We got them. You know, I'm eight years old. We'll just follow their footprints all the way home. He's like, that's not how this works. It stops at the street. <laughs> like, and, and, and then and we never found them. We don't know who it was. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, we're going to get them. And, and, and I remember even as a kid feeling, wow, my own house isn't safe. My, we got a fence and we like, we got a dog, right? Good for nothing guard dog. Didn't just slept through it all. And we, I'm thinking, oh man, we'll be fine if anything ever happens. Wow. And, and they came right, here's the thing. I, my room was in the back, kind of like I had the back window by the patio. They walked right by my window to go take my stuff to then go leave, right? If you've ever, that was the first time I ever felt this like I've been robbed, like, you know, weeping and mourning and sackcloth. I think I didn't speak for a week. No, no I didn't do that. But, but there's sense of, of, wow, that was personal. I don't know who this person is. I'll never know. But man, they, they mess with our family, our stuff. I, I do remember not being able to sleep for a while after that, thinking, are they gonna come back when we replace our boombox? <laughs> are they gonna come back for, for number two? And, and I remember thinking like, oh man, I'm gonna stay up for two reasons. One, like, okay, if I sleep, I'm gonna miss them. But also if they come back, you know, my little, you know, small eight-year-old brain, I'm gonna get them. <laughs> like whatever that means, like I'm gonna squirt them with a hose. I'm gonna get them. And, and like it, it felt, it felt much more than just simply some people took our stuff. It was an invasion of, of my life. Right? And if you've ever had that happen, maybe someone broke into your car or your home and it feels so invasive and violating and it's just, oh, this is terrible. And, and, and today, today there's, you know, there's security cameras everywhere. You can even have them on camera and like, I'm watching them do it, but we still can't, we don't know the face and, and you know, like, I don't know what, like if it's a big enough deal for it to become an investigation, but man, this hurts. So let's talk about stealing. Why, why is it, why is it that theft is such a big deal and why does it hurt and why does it feel so personal? So here's, here's what theft is. Theft is rooted in contempt and selfishness. The thief, the robber, the person stealing from someone else is, is, con, is showing contempt for them and I'm only thinking about myself. It is a heart issue rooted in contempt and selfishness. When we steal, we believe we are better than them. When you steal from someone, what you're saying is, I am more important than you. 
I'm more valuable than you, and my needs are more important than yours, so I'm going to take your thing for me. Your stuff, whatever it may be, I, you don't need it as much as I do, so I'm gonna take it. And we have people in this twisted, like in their twisted minds today saying, well, I'm just trying to provide for my family. That's why I'm participating in this looting. <laughs> That's why I'm looting this store because, hey, I gotta put food on the table. And, and, and in their mind thinking, like thinking, that is okay and right. And it is okay to do that because, listen, I'm not hurting anyone. This is a victimless crime. This store has all kinds of money. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just gonna take this stuff for, my, for me. It's so, and, and you know what's crazy too? This is, okay, let me just, can I rant for a second? Yeah, Brandon, you've already been ranting. Okay, you know what's crazy? When they're like, they'll say things like, oh, I just need to provide for my family. I need to put food on the table then why are you stealing designer shoes? <laughs> are you gonna eat that? Okay, sorry, get off my soapbox. So like, I, this is the mindset that people have. I deserve it. You don't need it, so I can take it. Oh, man. So when we talk about theft and stealing, it really is rooted in this mindset that somehow, somehow I am better, greater than, my needs are more important, I'm more valuable than whoever, this, whoever it is that has this stuff. So I am gonna take it. Even if I know it's wrong, even if I can convince myself it's not wrong, I'm just gonna take it. Here's the, here's the deal. Here's what we're gonna look at this morning and I'm gonna give you the answer even before we get into it so we can, as we walk through and realize, all right, this is the, the problem. The problem is easy to, to pinpoint, but the solution, how do, I, how do we solve that heart issue? Here it is, ready? To fight stealing, I have to focus on sharing. The antidote, we're gonna look at this. The antidote to stealing is generosity. It isn't, I just won't steal. I'll just try really hard not to take this thing. The antidote is learning generosity. Now, just like, just like the other issues, the, the, the word and the commandment is an umbrella term. So when we say steal, what we think of is like, well, well, I'm not doing that. You know, pastor, I'm fine because I've never broken into someone's house. I'm not breaking into backyards, stealing boom boxes yet, right? So I, I'm okay. I'm not stealing from anyone. Well, hold on, because this term, like, like the Bible has a lot more to say about stealing than just simply, hey, don't go take someone's property for yourself. It's much more nuanced than that. It's much, there's much more gray area, or at least, at least there's much more like underneath the term stealing than just simply taking someone's physical stuff. So what theft includes? Let's go through the various things that the Bible includes under this topic or this theme of theft. The, the actual Hebrew word is ganab, ganab, right? So the term, the, the um, commandment is lo ganab, don't steal, or you shall not steal, right? So the, it literally means theft and, and to take items without permission by the owner. And this is, this is key, but usually by stealth, not by force. So this isn't, although this can happen, right? I mean, someone can break in and, and, and you know, hold you hostage or, or have a weapon or a gunpoint. But, but stealing is not just like that. Like you, like it's usually just secretive. It's quiet and it's, it's under a, 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 a mentality of, of privacy and stealth. And I'm not gonna tell anyone, I'm gonna get away with it. And no one, 
No one will know. No one will know. I remember the first time I stole something. I say first time like, like I do it all the time. The first time, and I think maybe one of the only times I, I can actually, uh, was uh, I was in third grade. Third grade. It was a rough year, rough and tumble. Man, that, that crowd out in the Madeira ranchos. And, and I remember coming home from a field trip, and we stopped at a gas station, and they had candy. Just this little, like a tub of candy, and I think it was like five cents. That was back when, you know, you could buy anything with money for like super cheap. Now, I, I, can, I don't know. Can you buy anything for under $20? And, and, and I, remember, I remember seeing some candy and being like, oh, I want that candy, but I don't have any money. It was a Jolly Rancher. I think it was like two cents. Two cents. What is it? Uh, decades later. Lord, please still forgive me for two cents. But I remember, I remember putting it in my pocket, looking around. Oh, yeah, this flavor of this. Oh, I'll put all these back. Put it, I put it in my pocket, walked out, got on the bus, started going home. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. Nobody. There's no police. SWAT team has not been called. <laughs> and I remember getting home, and I, I still, I didn't tell anyone. I, to this day, like, you're it. Hey, <laughs> this is my confession. And, and I, but I, I remember pulling it out and not being able to eat it. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in church, but I still knew this was wrong. And I can't go back to the place. But I remember thinking, if I eat this, I'm a robber. <laughs> so I threw it away. I threw it away, right? Because like, I'm gonna make it right, right? And I don't even know what that means. I didn't even know about God or believe in God, but it was this sense of this is wrong. Theft, like theft in that sense of taking someone, something that isn't yours from someone else is what it's talking about. Now, uh, this isn't, uh, Exodus isn't the only place where we see that, uh, that stealing comes up. Uh, Leviticus talks about it. We see, we see God writes specifically laws about stealing. And, and it's going to nuance it, though. It's not going to just say stealing, but it's going to kind of give us a, at least a couple categories of what is included in this. Leviticus 19, starting verse 11, it says this, do not steal. All right, same thing. Same, same Hebrew word, ganab. Don't steal. All right? Okay, a couple of verses later. Now let's, in, let's talk about what's included in, in this. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Part of theft then would include defrauding someone. And we'll talk about that here in a second. And then and here's another one. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. It's now elaborating how you could defraud or rob someone. It isn't just I'm stealing their stuff. We'll look at this too, that it seems to also now include how you treat someone as an employee. You can mis mistreat and steal from them. Leviticus is emphasizing the importance of respecting other, others' possessions and their rights. That stealing is, isn't just about their stuff, but it also is like you can steal from someone by disregarding or, um, or, or, or mistreating or misusing the rights that they have. And so Leviticus, God says through the law in Leviticus, hey, don't, don't, don't steal, but also don't defraud or rob someone and, and don't hold back wages of a worker overnight. Don't do this. This, this seems to be upholding the dignity and rights of workers, reflecting God's desire for, for, for even, even in the workplace, a level and a sense of, 
of economic justice. I don't know if you know this, but the Ten Commandments were written not, I mean, they were written for you, but not to you. The, the Ten Commandments were also not written on, on a personal level to say like, oh, this is, this is written for each and every person. The Ten Commandments were written collectively as the law of the land. So it was the law for everyone. It isn't just a matter of, oh, these are good suggestions. No, no, this is the law. The, the closest thing that we have would be, uh, would be our constitution and our amendments, right? And we can name them and we know them and we know our rights based on what we were granted for. The, the Ten Commandments were the original, like the original constitution where these are the, the laws of the land. So what God is doing is not just saying, hey, it's not a good idea for you to steal. What he's doing is he's setting up a community, a society in which justice and equality and, and treating people fairly is what's valued and expected, that you have rights. And to trample on those rights is breaking now the law. Jesus, Jesus um, brings up the same thing and, and he, be, uh, like the other commandments, takes it kind of a step further and, and it's no longer, a, it, like Jesus recognizes it's not the issue, is not the issue. Like it's not about the issue. The issue is actually a matter of the heart. We looked at this passage last week because it, uh, Jesus quotes the, the, um, the same themes and, and what do you know? This, this commandment is also included in the same passage. In Mark chapter seven, Jesus says this, for it is written, or for it is within, let me start over, apologies. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And then he's gonna list them all. And here it is, right? Sexual morality, we looked at last week. Theft, he mentions specifically this commandment. Murder, which was another commandment. Adultery, a commandment. Greed, okay, that's an issue. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And, and here's what he says. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. That all of these things, though they are external acts, he says they all originate from within a person. That, that is from the heart that these things come out. Jesus jumps to the heart of the matter and, and, and he, he calls us not to just address the outward behavior, but to, but to address the underlying attitudes of stealing. So this is a... Let me tell you a story. This is the thing that I, I honestly, I got into ministry a number of years ago. I was a youth pastor for you know, a decade and at, a, at a few different churches. Um, and the first church that we were at uh, was a great church. We love the church. We're in, we're in, um, in Los Angeles, in, uh, in La Habra area. And, and, um, and we love this church. And my wife and I, we got married to this church. It was the building that we got married in and we started doing ministry together. It was wonderful. And I started as an intern and kind of, you know, get promoted and you kind of become a little bit more, a few more hours, a little bit more hours. And then eventually became the youth pastor. And I'm, I'm like, oh, this is great. I love, you know, high school, middle school and I'm doing all of it and, and loving it. And, and, it's, and, you know, the church is growing, the group is growing and it, it's wonderful. Like it was a, just a sweet, sweet time. And, and one of the things that, that came up and, and this this shocked me. I wasn't ready for this because I'm in ministry. And listen, I don't know if you know this, nothing bad ever happens in ministry. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad ever. And, and I thought, and I thought like, there's no way that this could happen. So I'll, I'll short story quick. We, um, one of the things we try to do for fundraising was come up with some creative ideas and, and someone on staff had this idea of, Hey, well, we have a, uh, we have a, like a soda dispensing machine, like a, it had not just soda, but drinks and all kinds that you could just buy right now in the courtyard. Why don't you guys take it over? And then any money that comes in, you can just use to scholarship for camps. I'm like, that's 
awesome. I have no idea how much comes in. They're like, you know, you probably make, you know, a couple hundred bucks a, a month or so, every couple months, like, you know, like good money, you know, and just save it for the year. Awesome. So that's what we did. And I remember like using this money, pulling out and going like, wow, this is like, first of all, you people drink a lot. <laughs> like, you, like there are a lot, there's a lot of business coming in here. We need, I, this might be a career of mine now. And, 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 and I remember one of the days going to, you know, empty out the money and cause you got to leave some in there for, uh, to, you know, let people, you know, get, a, if they put in a five, they got to get the change. And, and I, and I opened the thing, you know, I got out of a key, the whole thing, like the, like a soda machine, right? Uh, and, and it was empty. The whole thing, like it's never empty. It's never empty. There's no way it's empty. There's no way that like every single dollar was given in change. There's no way. All right. All right. I remember thinking like, that's weird. All right, maybe there's, I, I can't remember how much was in here. And usually it's like, you know, a chunk of money, right? A chunk of money. Like $20 would not be much. Like if there's a hundred bucks in there, I'd be, okay, that feels about right. And it's gone. I'm like, ah, oh, man, maybe I just emptied it out earlier. Okay, let it go again. And I put money in. I put money in for change. And then I go back, you know, a couple weeks later, gone again. And this time I knew, oh, something's up. Okay. What's going on? So I started asking around and there's no, you know, no one broke in. Like you had to have a key. Someone had a key and they're stealing this. We got no cameras. And, and I remember going, going to the staff, different people and going like, guys, the money is gone. I'm like, well, where's, where do you put it? And I go, I put it in this box. It's in this, uh, in this money box. It's in, in my office. All right, go get it. It's empty. Oh no, this is not looking good. It's in my office along with the key to the soda machine. My name's on the door. <laughs> like, uh, okay, right. I promise you it's not me. Why? And they're like, hey, so uh, where's the money? I'm, I prom- like, I created this idea to fund camps. Like, I'm, I'm, it's not me. It's not me. I promise it's not me. And, and so then I'm, we're talking with other people and there's another um, intern and, and, she come, and she's like, hey, what's going on? And she starts giving me ideas. She's like, oh, well, if you ask them, they look a little shady. I'm like, you know what? They do look a little shady. Like, no, I don't know. Okay, I'll, all right. It wasn't them. All right. What about her? Have you asked her? No, but it could be the pastor's wife. You're right. <laughs> uh, and she starts giving me all these names, all these people of like, it could be them, it could be them, it could be them. And she's like, I can't believe this. This is so frustrating that, you know, that's like our camp scholarship money. I'm like, I know, I know. But, you know, I guess, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. I just got to change it. We just got to do the money thing like every week so that no one can steal it. Fast forward a uh, couple months and I get a call from our finance person. Hey, um, I needed to ask you about a purchase. And I'm like, okay, did so-and-so, this intern, did you give her approval to, uh, to use a church check to pay her $600 cell phone bill? I said, no, I did not. And thank you for letting me know. All right, I'll talk with her. This this intern, who was a friend of ours, who we were close with, who, who's, who's pointing me in very legitimate directions of who it could be, <laughs> was the one stealing from our camp fund. So she comes in, and I'm, I'm asking, like, hey, this happened. Okay, what's the deal? I know, I know, I know. I just, I needed money for my cell phone bill, and, and I, you know, the check, and I knew where they kept it, and I knew it, and blah, blah, blah. All right. Hey, do you know about, do you know about this camp fund money? She just does this. And I go, it was you? Just like, what? And, and, and turns out this was a struggle of hers. 
I'm, I'm going, there's no way. We're at church. And like, she's a small group leader with girls that she's taking to camp. She wants to scholarship them to camp. And at the same time is stealing the very money to scholarship them. How is this even possible? So, you know, we naturally, we had to, uh, you can't serve here anymore. You can't, you can't continue to do this. And you know, I was so grateful and proud of our church that, that we still stuck behind, uh, beside her and, you know, help with counseling and like, all right, let's just talk about this issue. And you can't keep doing what you're doing, but also we're not just kicking you to the curb. And, and I remember feeling like, okay, I'm, now I know church people are the worst. <laughs> and like, so, so I look at all of you and I think every one of you are capable from stealing from my, from the church. Like that's my, and I, and I went into this going, oh man, man, church, it's, it's gonna be fine. It's, it's gonna be no problems. Our own people were stealing. Like this was an issue for her. And I'm sure that in this room that there are people who struggle with this same issue. Might not be you, might not be in the same way. But this is a matter of the heart. This is a matter of what, of what we, of like our internal selfish, sinful desires. Mm. So theft includes the actual like theft, like stealing stuff from other people. But it also, it also includes dishonesty. It's not just theft, actual theft, but dishonesty. Look at what God says and includes as, uh, under this, this theme of stealing. In Proverbs 11, verse one, it says this, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Do you know what he's talking about? This is a financial transaction that, that dis, like the, the dishonest scales is, is literally where we get the term like tipping the scales in our favor. That something weighs more, so it must be worth more. And, and so we, we kind of like mess with the value in our favor. And, and, it, and what we're told is that God, he detests that. Lying and being dishonest about a value of something and tipping the scales in our favor. And instead, what he likes, what, what, he, what finds favor with him is accurate weights. Accurate assessment or value of something. This is, this is now like maybe an area where we would say, ooh, okay, oh. To misvalue something in our favor, maybe in a business deal or selling a personal item. And, and, and listen, this is not like what we would call negotiation. There's, of course there's negotiation and you're talking with someone and agreeing on a price, that's fine. What we're talking about is, is misvaluing something. This is, would be maybe even considered like in insurance fraud of some kind, right? That is stealing. Not because you took something from someone, but because you lied about the value of something or how much of something that you had. We see this, that, that theft is, is not just stealing something, but it's, it's when we engage in dishonest practices and, and we contribute to a culture that blurs this line and, 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 and we, we justify it in that, well, it's not hurting anyone. I didn't really take anything from like a person. This isn't stealing. It's fine. It's fine. Dishonesty is included in this. This is fudging the numbers in your favor, right? This happens all the time during tax season. Oh, well, we'll just write this off and maybe, you know, that stuff we, that stuff we donate to Goodwill. 
I think it was probably worth about $2,000. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was like a left shoe that had a hole in it. And like, <laughs> dishonesty is included in this. Here's another one. Not just dishonesty, but defrauding someone. Here's what we see. We saw this earlier in Leviticus, and then it comes up again in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. And then here's the, the practical application of that proverb. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. We saw this in Leviticus. It said, do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Here's what's included in theft and stealing is how you treat or mistreat an employee. And if you've ever had this happen to you, you know this feeling. And if you haven't, it's kind of like, oh, okay, what's the big deal? If, if you've ever worked for someone and they've withheld your check for whatever reason, hours that you worked, a job you did, and it's payday, and they say, hey, we, just, we, can't, we can't pay you because we don't have the money. So can you just take this one for the team? What? What? That's personal. Like, what do you mean? I worked for you I, in an agreement, like in exchange for my service for payment, and now you're not giving me the payment. The, you know what they just did? They stole from you. Not paying a worker their wages or withholding it, even temporarily, is included in this as, well, you've, you've mistreated them. How can you do that? This might be an area, again, where, where some of us, if you manage a business, you own a business, and, and maybe some you know, best common practices, but, but you look at this and say, man, but that's, I don't, as, a, as an upstanding, God-fearing business owner, I can't operate this way. I shouldn't operate this way. That you, you can defraud someone, including employees. All right, so that's different. Stealing is not just breaking into someone's backyard and, and taking their stuff. It includes how you mistreat employees. Oof, all right? Okay, now here's another one. This is a big one. Um, this is one that is, is also personal, and we feel it. And, and you're not going to like this one, and, and also you're not allowed to leave the room until we're done, okay? You, 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 you came, you sat down, you're going to hear all of this, all right? In Malachi chapter three, we're told that we can also rob God. That you can rob God. And that he actually has a conversation about this and starts asking, why are you doing this to me? Why are you robbing me? What? How can, that po how can we possibly rob you? Here's what it says. Verse eight, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet, he says, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? How? God, how are we robbing you? And here's the answer. He says, in tithes and offerings. Ooh, okay. That's personal. That's, you hit me in my wallet. Verse nine, you are, a, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, test me in this. All right. You want to test the Lord? Test me in this. Test me in my generosity. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough, there will be room enough to store it. Here's what God is saying, and this is why this one, like this one is so 
it's so touchy and so personal because you know, like, you know how churches and religious organizations have misused and abused finances. And, and, and so, like, probably like me, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. All right, I'm not, you're not gonna fool me a second time. And, and so we see, like, man, this, this drives me nuts as a pastor of a church, turning on the TV and seeing other church services, organizations uh, from, you know, maybe different theological persuasions and, and getting on, on, on TV and asking for money and endlessly, every sermon is about money and every ask is about money. And if you just mail in, you know, God will bless you. And God's telling me right now that you're supposed to give $500. And, and if you have $500, God's gonna bless. Meanwhile, they have like the nicest clothes. Like you have the nicest suit I've ever seen and the nicest teeth anyone has ever seen. And, and, and you have great, like, okay. And, and the stage you're on, well, that's got, you got a lot of gold on that stage. And you're looking at this going, that can't be church. But listen, if you've never been to church, like if you don't go to church, you know, you guys are here, so you at least have a little bit of involvement in church. If you don't, aren't involved in church at all, and that's all you see, you're going through channels and you see that, you think all church is like that. That church is always just asking for money and just wants your money and feels like manipulation and abuse and, and to the point where it is, a, it is a legitimate hurdle for you coming to church because you just think this is what the church wants. So anytime we talk about money or tithing, people get, whoa, I guess you're just like one of those. To which my response is, are you serious? Like, just look how we dress, all right? We're just, we're just normal people. I got like eight shirts, okay? And I just cycle them through. I got eight weeks of shirts. And then you, and then guess what? You'll see me preaching in this shirt again, probably soon. <laughs> like, like this, we, this is not, like this church, we are not about like, oh, we just need more and more and more. This is not about our church getting rich. One of the things I love about this church is that it really is like, I, I both love and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So we're in our board meetings and I love uh, like our board members and, and, and they're the ones that are in the weeds with the money and looking at, okay, you know, income, tithing, and then expenses and budgets for next year. And you're trying to predict giving and attendance and like it's all numbers and it's just, there's no way to make the math work and there's a lot of faith and we're just like, here's where it seems to, like, okay. And, and every year we end, and if we end in a surplus, and we, which, you know, uh, uh, if we have more money than we, than we spent, like, awesome. And usually we end every year like that, and it's great. And this is the response. The response that, that one of the guys always says is, man, this is so great, but you know what? We're not a bank. We're not trying to make a nest egg here. We're not trying to collect money. We're not trying to, to, to try and build as many resources as we possibly can. We got to make sure that we always use money for ministry, that we want to spend this. Every year, every year is like, oh, we got this much extra left over. Okay, all right, if we, and I'm thinking here like, oh, if we save this, then we can maybe like save for another project and, and that might be wise down the road. And, and okay, if we don't spend this, I'm just trying to think through because listen, this is what you do at your house. I don't know if you know this. If you spend more than you make, that's a problem. Do you know that? That's a problem. The only one who can do that is the government because <laughs> they just print. They just print, 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 debt, debt, debt. They don't even care. You can't do that. And, we, and as a church, we can't do that. And, and, and so I'm looking at this going, man, I, I, like usually what happens is, hey, you know, it's always good to have, you know, what if there's another downturn? And, and the response is, hey, we trusted God this year and he met our needs. Guess what we're gonna do next year? 
trust God. Oh, again, really? We gotta do that? Yeah, we're gonna trust God again because we're not in this to like build some you know, large mound of money. So we wanna use money for ministry. So when, when people, myself included, anyone says, I wanna go to church, I wanna be a part of this, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't wanna tithe. Here's what God says, you're robbing me. It's not even that he needs it. It's not like God's going, listen, if, if you skip tithing this week, I'm broke. Like the Lord needs some money. That's not the case. Here's what he says. I wanna bless you. I wanna bless you. And you're gonna, as you learn to give, you will be blessed. It's not about, it really isn't about like us trying to make some, you know, great empire, New Hope empire funded on, on you know, everyone sending us. But not, not at all, not at all, not at all. And God says the one, one of the ways that we can steal is from him. Ooh, that one, that one hurts. All right, so New Testament. Let's look now at what New Testament says about, about theft and stealing. Theft, Paul tells us, is a matter of work ethic. That it isn't just a matter of thinking that you are better than someone, but it really is a symptom or at least a, 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 a result of being lazy. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 28. Anyone who has been, who has been stealing, and he says that because people had been stealing, <laughs> like church people had been stealing. And now he's writing to the church at Ephesus saying, all right, I've heard some of you guys are stealing. I've been there. I know what's going on. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their hands. And then here it is. Remember, we talked about this. This is the cure. This is the antidote that they may have something to share with those in need. And those who have been stealing, here's what, the, okay, number one, you gotta stop stealing. Number two, you gotta get a job and do some honest work with your hands. And number three, the resources that you, that you acquire from your work, you need to actually now help share with other people in need. Instead of stealing, you're actually going to now give back. That's, that's what you have to do. And that takes effort. You don't get to live off of the backs of other people. Theft is a matter of work ethic or lack of work ethic. We see this, that theft denies God as our provider. In Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus gives this, this illustration of, um, uh, of specifically like how we trust God to provide for us. Here's what, here's what we see. Theft denies God as our provider. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen, here's what he says. All right, look at these birds. Do any bird watchers, anyone lo- like, like loves doing bird stuff? I know we have plenty of people and, and you, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's a really is a cool thing. And we had, my wife had a, I think an uncle that was in bird watching. We like got him a book and it was like, it was all, it was great. It's like, oh, it's actually kind of really cool. If you know birds, like if you watch birds, you know birds, ready? They don't build barns. I, have you ever seen a, a bird barn that they built? Not, they built, not like you, when you built for them to, you know, store them all and take pictures. But, but literally, birds eat for the day. That's it. They're not even thinking about the next day. They're not storing away for themselves. And Jesus says, all right, look at them. They don't store away their food. And God provides for them every day. There's little birds, Eat every day. That bird right there, especially that big bird, that big bird is 
He's doing just fine. Don't you think you're worth more than they are? Don't you think God will provide for you? That, that, that being dishonest in the area of finances to the point where even being, being like defrauding and, 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 and maybe even stealing, you're denying that God is able to provide for you, so I'll do it myself. Even after last service, I spoke with someone and she said she had a roommate that she's gonna have to talk to because she was stealing rolls of toilet paper. Now, she's like, I can, we can afford toilet paper. Why are you doing this, right? This is a statement. This is a, a deeper issue. Jesus then goes on a few verses later in, in uh, verse 33 and says, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, why do you worry about what you will eat or what you will wear or, or the roof over your head? Instead, instead, be a person who, who seeks and pursues the Lord first and let him provide. This is, this is for us, this is, um, this is hard. This is really hard because we so badly want to keep up with the Joneses, Right? And if you know a family named Jones, we knew a family named Jones once, and they were well off. And it was really hard keeping up with those Joneses. And for, as a family, to say, instead of pursuing the, the stuff, what would it look like if we said, we want to seek God's kingdom first? Here's another thing. Theft reveals our level of trustworthiness. Not only does it, does it reveal our, our understanding or our our our, our ability to trust God as provider, but it, it, it reveals our level of trust, how trustworthy we are. In Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus tells this parable about a shrewd, um, uh, 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 shrewd investor, and, um, and, he, and this is the, the, like the summary statement of the parable is this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little, whatever you have, will be dishonest with very much. That if you can't be seen as trustworthy with the stuff that you have, why would, why would God ever say, I can trust you with more? And likewise, if you're dishonest with the stuff that you have, with the, the area the, of influence that God has for you, even in finances, man, if, if, if you get more, you'll just be dishonest with more. So what can we do about this? How do we guard ourselves against this? against theft. Okay, five things. Number one, cultivate contentment. Learn to be content with what you have, not with what you want to have. <laughs> I'm gonna be content with, with the life that God has provided for me, with my means, with, with what we have. I'm gonna be content. I want to be content, and this is not easy. I wanna be content and appreciate how God has blessed our life. This is a, a powerful antidote to this idea of being dishonest for more gain. Number two, set clear financial goals. Some of the reasons that people feel the need to steal is because their finances are not in order. <laughs> that that you, you really don't have a good handle of your finances and so you feel like you have to maybe do some dishonest movement and, and wiggling to try and just make it by. If that's the case, it might mean, it might mean saying, all right, it's time to, 
to focus on our finances. We, we often do these uh, Financial Peace University. We'll have one coming up this next year, a class you can take. And, and if that's, and, and you're in this area of like, we need to get our finances in order, that's something you can do and say, all right, we're gonna, when that class comes up, we're doing that. That we need to get our finances, like set clear financial goals. Number three, this is the hardest one. Deprogram your desire for stuff. Because we really are programmed to want more. Every commercial you ever see is about stuff. It's about something. Something that's gonna fix your life and make your life better. This new thing, whatever it may be. And, and, and the people around us have their new stuff. And your kids go to their homes and they see their stuff. And they're like, well, we don't got the same stuff that they got. Our stuff is not as cool as their stuff. And you're like, well, you know what? You can just live outside and have no stuff, right? <laughs> How about this? You, your stuff is whatever you can pay for. How about that? <laughs> and we have this, like, it's built in from when we were little. Like, it's just part of culture and the, like, the, you know, the, the American way is just buy, 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 more, more, more. Christmas is coming and it's all about stuff. And, and so it is so hard to deprogram and say, you know what, we can actually live with less. It's fine. It's fine if you don't have the newest model of phone. It's fine if you don't have the, the, you know, the, the, the latest, greatest stuff. If you're so blessed to be able to, to have it, and wonderful. But, but don't, don't go in debt and like live your life emboldened to the stuff. Oh, man. Deprogram your desire for stuff. Number four, engage in acts of generosity. This is the thing that this is hard for me. This is really hard for me because my stuff is mine. I, all right? And your stuff is yours. I won't take your stuff. Don't even go near my stuff. <laughs> and, and like, we have this, this, this thought, like, it's my, my stuff is my stuff. And, and the thing to break that is by saying, you can have or use my stuff. Generosity, to engage in acts of generosity. And this is hard for me because, you know, I want to be, gen- be generous. And I'm jealous of people who are just genuinely generous. And you know people who are generous. You know them, right? You know them by name. And, and, and you, like, you want to be just like them, I hope, until it comes down to like actually having to give someone your stuff. Because my mind, in my mind, hey, I will not, I'll let you use this. Great. This is, you know, this is my stuff, but it's also like the Lord's blessed us. All right. And, and then here's what happens. It's happened so many times that I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, really? You want to use my stuff? They'll bring it back broken, dirty, and say, oh, you gave it to me like this. Oh, I did, did I? Hmm. Tell you what, I'll never give you anything again. <laughs> like, and like, it's happened enough where I'm, I'm even to the point where someone asks to use my stuff and it's like, mm, okay, like you gotta let it go. All right, fine. Now, this is my issue. But I really do, like, I, I want to be a generous person and because I want to break, again, this, like, whatever this thing, this stuff is. You can't take it with you anyways. When you and I, we leave this world, none of it goes with you, right? And, and I imagine, I imagine the older you get, the easier it is to say, like, I don't care, take it. This is this, like, my house is full of, look at all this. When you, the older you get, you don't call your stuff stuff. You call it junk, <laughs> The older you get, it's just more and more junk. Just take my junk. I don't, my house is full of junk. Take it with you. All right. And all of a sudden, when you're older, I don't want stuff. I want to be around people. Right? That's the value. All right. I want to be generous with my stuff to be, to be like, to have a good relationship with people. And the fifth one, you might need to make it right. 
This is one of the things that when Jesus would interact with people, especially tax collectors, and they'll say, if I defrauded anyone, if I misused anyone, Jesus, I want to pay it back. In one instance, I want to pay it back up to four times. There might be some things that you have to make right. I don't know what that is. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know what area. But there might be an area where you would say, all right, how, all right, how can I make this right? If possible. If, 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 if by any means necessary, like as long as it's up to me, as long as I have a, any role in this, how can I try to, to bring about and pursue restitution? If I, if I have wronged someone financially, all right? To fight stealing, I have to focus on sharing. For you, to fight stealing, not just breaking into someone's house, but, but in this area of finances, to even just being dishonest, all right, the cure is to being generous, to be, to be willing to share with, with anyone and everyone. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? And we'll pray, and then we'll worship the Lord together. So, so God, we thank you for your word. We, 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 everything we do is for you and about you and because of you. And your word is the thing that guides us and reveals to us your truth. So we cherish your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you do speak to the heart issues that the Ten Commandments are not just rules that you just obey, but it really does speak to our hearts. And we also know, Lord, that you forgive us, that there is grace, that we, as we fall and fail in each and every, seemingly every one of these commandments, that you, that you do have grace for us. Because of the cross, we can be forgiven of all of these. We do pray, Lord, though, that you would continue to put in us, to mold in us, to use any means necessary to make us content with what we have, to help us trust in you with our finances so that we don't ever need to be dishonest. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.